Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. Welcome to everyone tonight. If there are any guests tonight, we welcome you to be part of this service. Glad to have you joining us online tonight. We welcome you as a part of this service. We pray that you're blessed by it. And uh, it's been good to have Christopher Wright with us this week. And um, if you haven't had a chance to... He's just here because he's interested in finding out about Antioch and what a great church we are. Amen. Praise God. You can be seated. My uh, title tonight, well, let me, before I say that, let me back up. Part of the purpose of prayer and fasting is us recommitting, rededicating, aligning ourselves with the purpose and the plan and the will of God. And so we have spent some form or fashion, part of the focus of my prayer these first three nights has been, at least in my own time, uh, as well as a few times of encouraging it, is praying for God to renew us and revive us. Revival is not about the world. Revival is about the church. Harvest is about sinners. Revival is about the church. You don't revive something that hasn't lived yet. You revive what has lived. So revival is for you and I, and if we have revival, that leads to harvest. Amen. So I, I, I feel led tonight. I am not here. Um, let, me, let me try to preface this way. Tonight is, is not about a rebuke of you or me. Or, it is a challenge, and I do. I will tell you, I, I anticipate... And, just to throw it out there, I know a lot of Thursday nights we just kind of do a brief closing prayer, but I, I am anticipating spending a little bit of time in prayer here at the conclusion, so hopefully you could reset your expectations a little bit. I will try not to teach all night so that we can have time and you still get out at a reasonable amount of time, but... So I want to, I wanna, my title tonight, I guess, is First the Kingdom. First the Kingdom. This is the uh, Kitson family. I'm not sure if my pronunciation is exactly correct. I want to st- share this with you as my start tonight. We... Uh, our plane leaving Baltimore, Angie and I's plane leaving Baltimore to go overseas was delayed about an hour and we got to Atlanta and literally ran from the plane we got off of to the next plane. And uh, we were, I think we actually were the last two people to board. I think we actually were literally the last two people on the plane. If not the last two, there was only just a couple of people that got on afterwards. We walked down the aisle. plane had three seats on each side, four seats in the center section, and our aisle was the second aisle. We walked down that aisle, and we got to our row, 
and much to my delight, there was nobody sitting in the aisle seat. And I had the center seat, and she had the window, and I was ready to give a little shout of triumph. To be sitting for eight hours and have a little more space than uh, to be expected. And so, rather than letting somebody else eye up that seat next to me that maybe they were stuck in a middle and they wanted the aisle, I decided to sit in that seat real quick just to let everybody know it's taken. And this family that you see on the screen, actually they got on the plane literally right before us. And as I went to sit in that seat, the lady who was on the opposite aisle says across to us, uh, I'm sorry, but that's my seat. Like, oh, man. So I slid back over to my middle seat. And she came and sat down. And so we just quickly began, Angie and I and this lady exchanging pleasantries. And I think if I'm not mistaken, it kind of started because she was asking us where we were going and why. And so I stated where we were going and that I was a pastor. And she said, oh, wow, well, we are missionaries. I said, oh, wow, awesome. We're missionaries to South Africa. And we've just been home for three months, for the first time in eight years. The little girl in the middle is eight years old. Two kids, two boys, a little bit younger than that. It was her first time to meet her grandparents, as well as both the boys. I got to tell you, my flight was ruined like right away. Eight straight years in South Africa on the mission field, first time home. I just want you to kind of keep that in the back of your mind this evening. Matthew 6, starting with verse 19. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Where your treasure is, that's where your affections will be. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, Thy whole body shall be full of light. 
Living Bible says, if your eye is pure, there will be sunshine in your soul. But if your eye is clouded with evil thoughts and desires, you are in deep spiritual darkness and oh, how deep the darkness can be. Message Bible, your eyes are windows into your body. If you open your eyes wide in wonder and belief, your body fills with light. If you live squinty-eyed in greed and distrust, your body is a dark cellar. If you pull the blinds on your windows, what a dark life you will have. If your eye is single, then your body is full of light. But if thine eye be evil, the whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? No man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. The Message Bible, you can't worship two gods at once. Loving one God, you'll end up hating the other. Adoration of one feeds contempt for the other. You can't worship God and money both. Adoration of one produces contempt for the other. There's no such thing as living on the fence in our walk with God. There is no spiritual DMZ. There is no neutral zone that you and I can live in between the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. They oppose each other. You can't live in both at the same time. And if my focus is not single, then I am full of darkness. If I am trying to somehow live in both at the same time, then I'm full of darkness. Let me give you some, looks like I've been doing this a lot the last couple of weeks more than normal, but here we go. Let me give you some of these couple of definitions of verse number 23, or excuse me, first of all, verse 22. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. The word single means simple or single. Whole of the eye, good, fulfilling its office, sound. If your focus be single. I'm going to read it in a little while, but I'll go ahead and quote it now. Seek ye first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things shall be added, but your focus needs to be single. You cannot have a dual focus. I want to become everything God wants me to be, but I also want to succeed and do my deal in this natural world. 
You, you, you can't have the focus of, I want to be used to God and I want my life to count in the kingdom of God, but I also have aspirations for my career and I've got my dreams and my visions. You can't seek both equally. And when you try to do that, you will begin to resent one of those. And most people fall on the the side of resenting the kingdom. When you try to live both worlds, most people end up resenting the kingdom. Because this world says, I can do whatever I want. I can live however I want to live. But this world says, straight and narrow is the way. And so I'm trying to live in both of these worlds. And this world says, do whatever you want, do whatever you feel. And this world says, I meant to get it put out of here and stored, but maybe the Lord knew. This world says, deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow. You'll love the one and hate. And you're only going to live so long trying to exist in both worlds. At some point, you're going to make up your mind to go one way or the other. Simple. Single. Listen to the word, the word evil means hurtful, i.e. evil, properly in effect or influence, figuratively calamitous, also passively ill, i.e. diseased, but especially morally culpable, derelict, vicious, facinerous, that is atrociously wicked, mischief. Malice. Light of, the body, light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, the whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, hurtful, calamitous, diseaseful, then it's full of darkness. Now, go back to the verse one more time. If thine eye be evil, the whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness. The two words darkness in the second half of that verse come from a Greek word, and then the three words full of darkness come from another Greek word. So the two words at the end, darkness means shadiness, obscurity. Metaphorically, according to Thayer's, it is of ignorance respecting divine things and human duties and the accompanying ungodliness and immorality together with their consequent misery. You can't, if you don't have a single eye, then you're opening yourself up to shadiness, obscurity. And then to be full of darkness means to be opaque, i.e. figuratively it is benighted. The word opaque is blocking, according to good old Webster's, is blocking the passage of radiant energy and especially light. 
The word benighted means overtaken by darkness or night. If my eye is not single, then I will not be able to see clearly. If my focus is not single, then I am not able to see clearly. There will be something blocking the passage of radiant energy and especially light. I will be overtaken by darkness or night. If I do not make the kingdom my first focus... You can breathe a sigh of relief. There are no ministry sign-up sheets here tonight. I will not be concluding trying to get you to give more time to ministry because the bottom line is this. You can give lots of time to ministry and yet not have a single focus. You can be very involved in giving of your time to ministry. There are people out there that are involved in charities and various organizations that give more time than most of us do on a weekly basis to what they are passionate about. It has nothing to do with God. It has nothing to do with a relationship with God. So just because you and I give time does not mean that the kingdom is my first focus. And here we are all, well, I say all, most of us, hopefully most of us, miserable because they ain't had nothing sweet to eat in several days, and that's not good. Surely I could come in here with some wonderful dessert tonight. And instead I've got medicine with no coating. We just got to take a big gulp and swallow. Your eye is single. I, I will also clarify for the record, not everybody is called to preach. Not everybody's called to be an evangelist. Not everybody's called to be a missionary. Not everybody's called to be a pastor. Not, not everybody's called to be a part of full-time ministry, but everyone is called. There's several staff members, Antioch staff members sitting in here tonight, so I'll say it about them and myself. Don't you be mistaken for one moment, just because our paycheck comes from here, that that means the kingdom is the number one focus of our lives. I got my paycheck today. We get paid the first of each month. I got my paycheck today. That paycheck was no indicator of my dedication and commitment to this church and to my walk with God and relationship with God. Because if I'm not careful, I can punch the clock and put in my time, collect a paycheck, but my focus be somewhere else. And if you don't think that's possible, you don't know much about preachers. Because there's a lot of preachers that collect a check for preaching, but their focus is not single. So I'm not here tonight picking on the saints and giving the preachers a pass. I'll put it all in there together. Matthew chapter 6. Don't worry, it don't get any better. (laughs) Matthew 6 and 25. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life. What you shall eat, what you shall drink, nor yet for your body what you shall put on. 
Is not the life more than, more than meat and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? I know I can't because I tried for a long time. Although we got into measuring wingspan, supposedly your wingspan is your height, and apparently my wingspan is a little bit longer than my height is, so there is yet hope that I might get a couple more inches before I die. So I'll be the first 40-something-year-old to get a growth spurt vertical. Plenty of 40-somethings get a growth spurt other ways. (laughs) And why take you thought for raiment? Considers the lilies of the field, how they grow, they toil not, neither do they spend. Brother Wright, are you trying to tell us tonight we shouldn't work, we shouldn't have a job? Well, he says if you don't provide for your own, you're worse than an infidel. So no, I'm not saying that you should not work and not do your part. What I'm saying is that should not be the driving focus of your life. Your job, work, should not be what consumes your life. That should be the means to the end. And yet I say that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? Surely, hopefully, everybody's heard this story, and I can't tell it like the original person can tell it, being my parents, but I was there, but had no idea I was there. My parents struggling to build this church, and I was, I believe, somewhere around six months old, if I'm not mistaken. No food in the house, no means to go get food. And my dad gets my mother and myself together and goes door knocking. What kind of husband is that? An infant that needs food, a wife that needs food, no means, and you go door knocking. The story is they were out for ever how long it was, door knocking. And as they came home, noticed when they pulled up to the house that the front screen door was ajar. Walked up to the door and found bags of groceries on the doorstep. And as my dad tells it, not just the bare necessities, but there was even some cookies and goodies in there. Why? Because somebody wasn't taking thought. I'm talking about being ignorant here, not talking about being irresponsible. I'm talking about putting the kingdom above everything else. The kingdom first. For after all these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. But seek ye first. Seek ye first. 
I know this applies. I I understand it's gotten used and it applies to prayer and you ought to start your day and that's the first. I get that, but I also would argue that there's a whole lot more to this verse and what it's saying than just starting your day off with prayer. It's about an attitude. It's about a focus. It's about what drives you. It's about what motivates you. Because again, you can get up and put in a half hour, an hour of prayer in the morning and then go seek your deal the rest of the day. But the number one priority is the kingdom. Oh, hallelujah. The number one priority in the job offer you've gotten or the job offer you're looking for is not the pay increase above what it gives you right now. It's not are the benefits better. It's not will they give you a lot more money and life be a lot better. The number one thing ought to be how is it going to affect my time in the kingdom? How is it going to affect my family? How is it going to affect my opportunity to be a part of ministry? Get some grand job offer to move somewhere across the country making twice as much money. Do you think about the fact whether or not there's a church to be a part of? Young people that are embarking on college, some of you are already in it. The first priority is not where can I go that's going to give me the best education. What college is the premier college that I can go to and forget about all other priorities? But where does God want me and where am I going to get what God has for me? I've watched people spend thousands of dollars on private education in our area. And then I've watched kids that have been a part of this church school when we used to have it, and it wasn't. I'm, I was principal when I graduated from it, so if anybody, I, I got a right to, to, to say what I'm about to say. I'm not an outsider being critical. I, 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 was, I, I acknowledged it while I was principal. Did we provide the best of natural educations that could be provided? No, we didn't. There were other places we could not compete with. But I've watched kids, I've turned into adults, that them and their parents decided, you know what, it may not be the most quality of educations I could get my child, but I want them in that environment, I want them in that setting, who today are blessed. And I've seen those that have gotten those expensive quality educations as they have roamed from one thing to the next, can't find purpose, can't find a place. But if you will seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, He said He will add things to you. Seek ye first kingdom first the kingdom take therefore no thought for the morrow for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof Luke chapter 4 then he said a certain man then he said unto him a certain man made a great supper and bade many in his servant supper time and sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden come for all things are now ready. Do you, 
you, you understand the, the symbolism of this is an invitation from God. It is an invitation from God. I am preparing a meal and I am inviting you to come to a meal that I am preparing and listen to what the responses were. And they all with one consent began to make excuse. The first said unto him, I have bought a piece of ground and I must needs go and see it. I pray thee, have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I got to prove them. I pray thee, have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. Can you, where would we be tonight? Where would we be where would we be if he'd have said, you know what, that's just not convenient. <laughs> that just doesn't fit into my plans and my desires. The cross is really just not a part of my agenda. So that servant came and showed his Lord these things. Then the master of the house, being angry, to his, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and the lanes and of the city and bring in hither the poor and the, and the maimed and the halt and the blind. And the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded, and yet there is room. And the Lord said unto the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. For I say unto you that none of those men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. The idea of requesting to be excused implies I can't do it now, but when it's convenient. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not rejecting the invitation as a whole. I'm just telling you it doesn't work right now. So, I can't make it now, but I'll. But the one who gave the invitation says, None of those men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. Brother Isaac, I saw him on point. Let's see if I get this, this right, what you said to me Sunday night. The Lord has no voids in His body. There are no voids in His body. And so over the last almost two years, that's hard to believe, but over the last almost two years, there have been a lot of people that have moved out of here for west and north and other things. But God said He has no voids in His body. What was the rest of it? That he's waiting for people to step in to the void. There are no voids. He's waiting for people to step in. And the ones that are going to step in are the ones who are first about the kingdom. First about the kingdom. I preach to some people tonight, teach whatever this is, treach, I don't know. There are some folks here tonight, you're doing your best to try to balance it all. You don't mind the kingdom in your life. You don't mind the kingdom being a part of your life, but that's what it is. A 
apart. God's looking for some people to seek first. Put first. <laughs> that everything I do revolves. Please understand, I, I, I realize sometimes our terminology, we, we sort of, I think subconsciously, we interpret things as being synonyms. When I say the kingdom, I'm not just trying to say a cute way about the church and this church. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the kingdom. The kingdom is bigger than this church. Who who owns who? Who owns who? Matthew 19 and 16. And behold, one came and said unto him, Good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? He said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. He saith unto him, Which? Jesus said, Thou shalt do no murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, honor thy father and thy mother, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. The young man saith unto him, All these things have I kept from my youth up. What am I missing? All these things. Brother Wright, I come to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Thursday night. I'm involved in ministry. I pay my tithes. I give in the offering. What am I missing? Jesus said unto him, If you will be perfect, if you will be complete, go and sell what you have. And give it to the poor, and you shall have treasure in heaven, and follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, because he had great possessions. I would like to propose to you tonight that actually great possessions had him. Kind of like my new thing these days. People do not go out in the middle of an Arctic freeze and walk their dog. They go out and the dog walks them. <laughs> who owns who? Sorry, I, I, I have great possessions. No, no, no. Your great possessions have you. He went away sorrowful. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, Verily I say unto you that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. And again I say unto you, It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle for, than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. Hmm. Could it be that 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 promotion you thought you were about to get or that new job that fell through was actually the greatest blessing you've had in a long time instead of a curse? Could it be that potentially God saw into the future 
that if you'd have gotten that new job and what it would provided for you, that there would have been some things that would have now started getting a hold of you and you would have started compromising on your participation and involvement in the kingdom. And so rather than it being an unjust, unfair God that put the, that slammed the door in your face, it was actually mercy and grace. He went away sorrowful. I wonder how many of us tonight are caught between the two. I, I want what you've got, God. I want what you have to offer, but I also don't know that I'm willing to... I, 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 I really don't like to go overseas. I don't like to go anywhere by myself, but I, don't re- I really don't like to go overseas by myself. I, I probably, in all honesty, I probably have been, hopefully not displeasing to God, but I probably have not done the best of jobs the times I've traveled by myself because I'm, I, by the time that plane hits the ground where I'm going, I'm already counting down in my mind. I got eight more nights. I got seven more nights. I got six more nights. I got to tell you, it was like a ton of bricks got dropped on my gut when that lady sat there and said, we've been home for the first time in eight years. And, and not, not, because of, not because of some natural whatever reason, but because... They put the kingdom Luke chapter eight. I'm not going to read the first part of the parable. Most of you are familiar with it. Talks about the sower, the full kind, the four kinds of ground. If if you're able to from the scripture correct me, you're welcome to correct me. But from my study of this parable, the first and foremost, the primary application of this parable is not about sinners. All my life I've always heard this parable and the four kinds of ground, and it's about sinners. It's about the kind of sinners that the seed is thrown on. And, and, but that's not the first context. I'm not saying that it doesn't, can't be used in that context, but that is not the primary application. The primary application of that passage is about you and I and how we receive the Word of God. And just because you and I are sitting here tonight doesn't mean we are free from being wayside ground. Those four kinds of grounds are conditions that can develop in any of our lives. So he spake the parable, and then verse number 14, his disciples asked him, saying, What means the, what might the parable be? And he said unto you, It is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to others in parables that seeing they might not see, and hearing they may not understand. 
Now the parable is this. The seed is the Word of God. I, I want you to notice there is a, there is a progression of, of the worst to the best here, okay? So the first kind of ground, those by the wayside, are they that hear, then cometh the devil, and taketh away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. So they hear the word, but it doesn't even have a chance to do anything because the devil comes and steals the word. So there's basically absolutely no effect or impact from the word. The second is, they on the rock are they, which when they hear, receive the word with joy, and these have no root, which for a while believe, and in time of temptation, fall away. If you've been around here any length of time, you've seen it just as much as I have. Somebody shows up, and this is the greatest thing in the world. They get the Holy Ghost, they get bad, they get the real Holy Ghost, speaking real tongues. <laughs> in a couple of weeks, they're gone. Why? Because it never took root. And that which, verse, this is the third one, look at this. That which fell among thorns are they, which when they heard, when they have heard, go forth and are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of this life, and bring no fruit to perfection. Take heed, therefore, how you hear, for whosoever hath to him shall be given, and whosoever hath not from him shall be taken, even that which he seemeth. Take heed, be careful how you hear. Because you and I have the potential of hearing in either one of these four ways. I can be hardened ground that the seed is thrown on, but before there's any time for anything to happen from the seed, the devil steals it. I can be the kind of ground where the seed is sown and it actually starts to produce something, but there's no roots and so temptation comes and it's lost. I, I want you to notice this third one. The next to the last one, the last one being the good ground. Listen to the way a couple of other translations put verse 14. As for what fell among the thorns, these are the people who hear. But as they go on their way, they are choked and suffocated with the anxieties and cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not ripen, come to maturity and perfection. Correct me if I'm wrong, but to have fruit that is not ripened, that means there was the beginning of fruit. These people had reached the point that there was fruit that was beginning to grow, Brother Middleton. It just did not reach full maturity. Living Bible, the seed among the thorns represents those who listen and believe God's words, but whose faith afterwards is choked out by worry and riches and the responsibilities and pleasures of life. The responsibilities and pleasures of life. The responsibilities and pleasures of life. And so they are never able to help anyone else to believe the good news. Message Bible and the seed that fell in the weeds, well, these are the ones who hear, but then the seed is crowded out and nothing comes of it. 
as they go about their lives worrying about tomorrow, making money and having fun. Weist's translation, and that which fell into the thorns, these are those who heard. And under the pressures of anxieties and wealth and pleasure of a materialistic life, as they go on their way, are being choked. They are not bringing fruit to maturity. New Living Translation, these, the seeds that fell among the thorns represent those who hear the message, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the cares and riches and pleasures of this life, and so they never, notice, it doesn't say they never grow. It doesn't say they never grow. Hello? doesn't say they never grow. They grow. There's something there. There's something happening. But they never reach full maturity. They never grow into maturity. Because life chokes out. The cares of life and pleasures and riches and and, and responsibilities. Well, I, I'm, my, my, my broad message is the kingdom, but let me just let me let me just let me give a couple examples here. Okay, is it amazing how how quick we are? To miss church because of work, but not to tell the boss we can't come to work because of church. Well, Brother Wright, if I do that, I'll lose my job. Maybe. According to what I read to you tonight, though, if you put him first. Oh, I'm telling you what, we are, we are, we are, we are in a battle with the spirit of this age. I got to tell you what, I, I'm getting, I'm not there enough. Hopefully when I get there, I'll get like Jesus got in the temple. I'm not quite there, but I got to tell you, I'm getting more and more fed up with the pressure to make all of this simple and convenient for everybody so that we can fit it all in just right. So that we all can go about our lives where our treasure is, but just sprinkle a little bit of Jesus. Uh, my, my kids have taken this Annapolitan thing to a whole nother level than me. There is a can. I, 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 I love Obey on my crabs. I love Obey on my cream of crab soup. I love Obey on my crab cakes. I love it. I love it. But we literally have a can of Old Bay that sits on the island. And I never imagined in my life I'd see the things that went on. It goes on everything, everything. It goes on breakfast food, it goes on dinner. It, I, the only thing I've yet to see them put it on is dessert. However, a while ago, brother, you got some chocolates that had Obey on them. I like my chocolate, I like my Obey. But I don't like the two worlds mixing. And I, I mean, they put it on every... It, it go, I, I, again, it, there's stuff I'm like... Never in the, in, I mean, me, obey, and crabs. Those go hand in hand. Obey and crabs. You can't have crabs without obey. <laughs> but I never, I never thought of obey beyond that. 
And they put it on all kinds of stuff. But I got to tell you one thing I've yet to see. And they dump a lot of it on there. I mean, it, it's, they're not always a little dabble, do you, man? I mean, it's like covered, solid coat on top of it. As much as I've seen them do that, I have yet to see, and I really don't expect it, there may be one of them that out of stubbornness and honoriness might do it now just to prove me or show me, but I'm still kind of doubting that. I've yet to see them get the can of Old Bay and get a spoon out of the drawer and just sit and eat spoonfuls of Old Bay. Because while Old Bay makes a great seasoning and adds flavor to what you're eating, it is not substance by itself. Jesus is not your and my Old Bay. B-A-Y or B-A-E. Bunch of people have no idea what I'm talking about. He better stay your B-A-E. <laughs> He's not the seasoning to my life to enhance the flavor a little bit. He is supposed to be my life. He's not supposed to be the salt that I sprinkle in once or twice a week. He's not supposed to be the flavoring and he's not supposed to be my credit card that I can whip out in a gym and he'll come through. He is supposed to be the number one focus of everything that I do. First, the kingdom. First, 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 first. I prayed it this past week numerous times. I prayed it in prayer meetings and I prayed it on my own. Revive us, God. Revive us. Revive us. Revive us. Give us revival. Give us revival. We don't need better programs. We don't need better structure. We don't need better ideas. We don't need better planning. We need revival because programs and all of that may fill a void for a while. But ultimately the solution is revival because if God can produce that in us, a lot of other things will take care of themselves because there's no point in dealing with the symptoms if you don't deal with the root of the problem because if you deal with the symptoms you get temporary relief but if you can get to the heart of the problem there's a bunch of symptoms that will automatically take care of themselves I gotta tell you the one thing that always bothers me about reading about those moves of God is it didn't start off with somebody just sprinkling a little bit of Jesus in we didn't get Azusa's. I'm not trying to, I, I know what I've asked you and I'm not changing what I've asked you. So please understand by what I'm about to say, I'm not trying to shoot at you. But we didn't get Azusa Street in the early 1900s because they had two prayer meetings a week that they asked people to pick one and another one they tried to get them to come to. That's not how Azusa happened. And that's not how the world was impacted. The reason that happened was there was some people that it was the first, first the kingdom. First, 
the kingdom. And we know, God, that we can't do it. And we know that you've got to do it. And we know the only way to get you to do it is to seek you with everything you've, we've got. He said, I'm not far from you. I'm not far from you. I'm not far from you. But I'm not going to be found of you seeking me half-heartedly. He says, you're going to find me. When? When? When you seek me. When you seek me with your whole heart. I've felt a little bit rebuked lately, a couple of times by the Spirit of the Lord when I'm complaining about some things that aren't changing and some things that aren't happening and some things that aren't going well, and then I stop and think, how much have I really sought Him? (laughs) Isn't it amazing how quick we are to accuse God or ask God, God, do you know where I am? God, do you know where I am? That's right, Brother Barr. I wonder how many times God's responding back to us saying, Hey, do you know where I am? <laughs> you want to get upset with me wanting to know where I, if I, if I know where you are, do you know where I am? Because we talk to everybody but Him. We get counseling from everybody but Him and then have the audacity to wonder if He knows where we are. Yeah, I'm right where you left me. First, 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 first the kingdom. First the kingdom. It's not my time, God. It's your time. It's not my finances. It's your finances. It's not my family. It's your family. First, 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 the kingdom. Seek ye first, kingdom, his righteousness. All these things shall be added. Somebody come to the keyboard, please. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your tithes, you present your church attendance, and you present a little bit of devotional prayer to the Lord. No, I beseech you, I beg you, Paul says, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy I got to be honest I got confused for a while and I used to always think that was W-H-O-L-L-Y all of you but that's not what it is it's H-O-L-Y that means I don't just come give you what I am take it or leave it God I got to work on the preparation of what I'm going to give so that I can present what is holy set apart sanctified present your bodies as a Living sacrifice. Holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable, 
reasonable, reasonable, reasonable, reasonable, reasonable. It is reasonable for me to give all that I have because he gave all. He didn't give me a part. He didn't give me what was convenient. He didn't give me what was excess and left over. He gave me everything he had. So Paul says it's now reasonable. It's reasonable for me to give back to him everything I've got. I said it at the beginning and I meant it then and I mean it now. I don't apologize for what I've taught, preached, whatever tonight because I really believe it's what the Lord spoke. I actually came to my office today and as I do a lot of times, I found a message to listen to and the preacher, I had no idea what the message was about, but as he started reading his text, it was the very verses the Lord laid on my heart this morning. So that was absolutely crazy coincidence or perhaps the Lord know, knew that a little bit of confirmation would be kind of nice. I'm not here tonight. I beg of you again. I, I don't apologize for what I've said. I've done my best to say what I felt like the Lord wanted me to say. But I, I, I want you to, I, I hope you, if nothing else, you can tune into my spirit and my heart. Because again, I'm not trying here tonight to, to rebuke any of us. I am here tonight with a burden to challenge all of us. And as we are in this season of seeking the Lord and fasting and denying ourselves, there's no better time to be able to hear the voice of God clearer. say, can I say tonight that in my life it's first the kingdom? I don't want to be like those individuals that were given an invitation to that supper. I, I just bought a house. I got cattle. I just got married. I appreciate the invitation. I'd like to take advantage of it at some point, but it just doesn't fit right now. I pray somehow that my response is that whenever that kind of invitation is offered to me, whatever I am doing, whatever priorities I have, I would without hesitation drop them to embrace the invitation it's only 835 so I'm going to ask those that may be willing to join with me tonight to make a fresh commitment God first 
Not my life, not my plans, not my career, not my dreams, not my family, not my job. First, first the kingdom. First priority, first pursuit. I want my treasure, I want my treasure to be where moth and rust cannot decay. I want my treasure to be laid up in heaven. I don't want it to be on this earth because wherever my treasure is, it's where my heart's going to be. You see, wherever your heart is, you'll, you'll, you'll do whatever you got to do for where your heart is. You'll make whatever adjustments you got to make in your schedule and your priorities in your life. You'll make whatever adjustments must be made when it comes to something that has to do with where your heart is. God, I pray that you would revive and renew within us. Put the kingdom first to seek the kingdom seek the kingdom first number one priority pursuit of our lives you God you you God seeking after you we can't separate you from your kingdom God your kingdom is about you your kingdom is about what you love your kingdom is about what you care for your kingdom is about doing what is close to your heart your kingdom is about us being involved with you doing what it is you care for God so I pray that you would renew within us a love for your kingdom the purse the pursuit of you God seek you first seek you first seek you first There be a reviving in us tonight, Father. Let there be a reviving in us tonight. God, don't let us be like the rich young ruler who was possessed by his possessions. Don't let us be like the rich young ruler that we are possessed by what we should be possessing. We're unwilling to give things up and let go of things and we go away sorrowful, neglecting what it is you're offering and what you have to give because we just aren't willing to let go of what we possess. Help us to put the kingdom first. I give myself away. I give myself away. I give myself away to you. I give myself away to you, God. It's not my life. It's not my life. You paid the price for it. It belongs to you. I don't own me. You own me. You purchased me with your own blood. Not my own. I'm yours. Not my own. I belong to you. For you to do with me as you please. For you to do through me what you desire.
give myself, I give myself, I give myself. God, we rededicate ourselves tonight. We recommit ourselves tonight, God. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we present ourselves again tonight as a living sacrifice. It's our reasonable service. It's our reasonable service. Jesus name in Jesus name in Jesus name in Jesus name in Jesus name Jesus name